1: It's time for my One, Two, Three Cents, the podcast on the Jittery Monkey Podcasting Network. Give me the hell, yeah! Now, here's your host. The man is also a very long, dear personal friend of mine. Does the guy have a name? Yes, he has a name. Kevin Huntsberger. Woo! Kevin! You're stupid. Hey friends, happy new year and welcome to episode 476 of the my 123 Cents podcast. We are starting the year off with a movie mania and I think, Chad, this is the very first time we've done, well, I guess we've done them with new releases that are streaming, but this is the first time we've both gone to the movie theater to review a movie for movie mania here on the podcast. So first of all, happy new year and, and thanks for joining the conversation this week.
0: Well, always good to be here. Yeah, I, I I don't think either one of us goes to the theater much anymore because with the you know with streaming and and films going to streaming so quickly most of the time, it's you know a better experience to watch at home. And I, I can kind of get into that when we get talking about the movie about the theater experience that we had. Um, well I'll just do it right, right now, real quick because it yeah. has nothing to do with the movie. But we went to um, a theater that you can order food at your, at your chair, at your Uh seat, I guess. And because we went on Christmas day, they didn't have as many people working. And so the couple sitting next to us had ordered food and it was taking longer than it probably should have, I guess. And the concession worker came in three or four times to talk to them and apologize. And this is while the movie's going on. So you have someone walking in front of you, then stopping, talking to the person next to you, then walking back out. And it's just like, it's one of the things, I, I mean, I can appreciate being able to order from your seat. I think you sh- shouldn't do it during the movie, though. And especially yeah. then also in the case where the workers come in like 30 minutes before the movie ends to settle up the tab.
1: And oh, it's like, gosh.
0: You're like, oh, come on. So.
1: Well, you know, just based on what you described, there were more people on the people that you just told in that story than were in the theater that i was at so wow. uh, i live in southern illinois chad lives in southern california uh obviously some stark differences mm-hmm. there uh for the longest time they weren't even playing it or it, it, i guess by the way we're talking about the iron claw if you haven't figured that mm-hmm. out yet by by what we're talking about and my shirt and the carrie von eric poster behind me that, that chad got me for christmas and the texas tornado action figure mm-hmm. so I'm all uh, Von Eric'd up today, but they weren't playing it in Carbondale, which is the biggest kind of town here in Southern Illinois. They were playing it about an hour away. And then finally they they showed that they were playing it, but not at the Better Movie Theater. They were playing this one. Chad, we haven't talked at all about this. So they were playing it at the mall, which is now like three stores and a bunch of medical office buildings here in Southern Illinois. So there's there's nothing to this mall. And I walked in... Around 10.30, the show was starting at 10.40, and I, judging by the lack of cars in the parking lot, I knew I wasn't mm-hmm. going to worry about getting a good seat, but yeah, they said, go ahead and pick your seat. Um, the ones in uh, whatever color are, are available, and I looked, and there were mm-hmm. two that were not that color. I'm like, oh my God, there's only three of us in here, so that was kind of, I didn't think it'd be a huge crowd, but I was also a, a little like, wow, interesting, mm-hmm. And I, I'm glad that you brought up the fact that you were with someone else because I I do have specific questions that maybe you can answer on her behalf. And yeah. I probably should have warned you about this beforehand. But. No, I, I,
0: I, I'm guessing the questions you have are things I was planning to say anyway. So. Okay, good. good. But I will just say real quick too, um, we went to a new, the, a new theater for me that I hadn't been to. Uh-huh. Uh, very nice theater, by the way. And If I ever go back to the theater, I, I will probably pick this one to go to. Unless I can go to the one that I can walk to. But I would say it had a balcony section that we were in that had probably 15 seats. And then that lower level, the 15 seats where we were, again, were the ones that you could order food. And they were the plush reclining
1: Oh yeah. recliners.
0: So that's why I chose them. I paid the extra fee to have a more enjoyable sitting experience. But I would say there were probably no more... And the balcony and the lower level, no more than 10 or 15 people in the theater. And again, this was a 1250 screening on Christmas day. Gotcha.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I, my original plan was to go and see it on opening day, but that Mm -hmm. didn't work out. And it's funny because my wife, who is not a wrestling fan, she, you know, will occasionally, you know, if I'm doing a show, she'll go to it. But beyond Mm -hmm. that, she's not much into it. And she had texted me because she, uh had to work the other day and she thought i was at the mall looking for christmas (laughs) sale decorations and stuff she's like please tell me you're not and i said no i'm 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 at the movies watching a a wrestling movie because i hadn't told her that i was Mm. because i knew she wouldn't want to go well then i get home and i kind of tell her about uh, she's like well i I probably would have gone and seen that and so i'm like so probably when it streams, uh, I may talk bring to watching it again. But
0: well, uh, it's funny you said that because I was planning on again seeing it opening weekend myself because we had discussed yeah, you know, having this show last week. But um and I was gonna just go by myself. I, I had that half day on the Friday before Christmas and I was like, Okay, I can just go after work and my girlfriend is working. Like and then I, mi- I said something about it. And she's like, Well, I kind of want to see it. And she's not a wrestling fan either. She's gone with me to a couple AEW shows but she and will not I'll watch wrestling me one. and she went to wrestling me night one. Uh, but she will not watch wrestling with me on TV. Um, mm-hmm. and I was like, Oh, I didn't think you'd have, want to have any interest in seeing it. And she's like, Zach Efron, Jeremy Allen white with her shirts uh-huh. off. Yeah. I'm like, okay, fine.
1: But. <laughs> so I guess let's start there with the mm-hmm. casting. Um, I'm in a Von Eric group on Facebook, and I will be sharing this podcast with that group just to see if anybody watches this or listens to it. So, uh, But I I had noticed a lot of people have been very critical of the casting for a couple of reasons. But I also want to, before we get too deep into the weeds here, the very opening slide you see at at the film, and we're not going to give any spoilers or anything, but it says inspired by a true story now chad Mm -hmm. i know you have talked about this on the out of touchdown podcast and other shows that you have done so Mm -hmm. kind of explain to listeners and and viewers here what inspired by true events or inspired by a real life story means yeah
0: i i don't know if there is a actual definition of the difference between inspired by or based on a true Mm -hmm. story to me inspired is more um where you take elements of a story and you give a little bit more leeway into what you're, the story you're telling based on is more, I think if I have this right, should be more of a factual Mm -hmm. element. Yeah. Um, And I think as far as iron claw goes, the inspired by, I mean, there's so much detail in this story and so much, you know, stuff that got left out or compressed, um, into the story that I think they did a good job. I will say one of my biggest um, nits to pick with this, with this film is the timeline because yeah. I don't feel like we got, you know, other than a few of the match graphics that had the date on it. We didn't tell, you know, like, Oh, this happened in 1983. And then all of a sudden we're in 1987, you know, yeah. it's like how much time has passed in between scenes.
1: Yeah. No, I would I would agree with that, and and again, we're not going to overly nitpick this because there Mm. were, you know, I used to do this with you with Young Rock all the time. I'd be like, no, that's (laughs) not accurate, you know, and you know, there were some glaring things uh, in this movie that that were like, okay, not in the timeline sequence. Mm. Uh, Probably the most glaring to me was when Kerry won the NWA heavyweight title, and then like that night, they implied that he was in the wreck that Mm. that you know, he lost his foot, which it was actually two years after that. But, and then the, we never saw him lose the title. Now I will also preface this whole podcast with this. Chad knows that uh, when we go on road trips, I have a baby bladder and <laughs> when I'm drinking soda at the movie theater, I can't make it the whole two hours and 23 minutes without <laughs> getting up and going to the bathroom. So I did in fact have to get depends. And when I came back, Something, and we'll get to it as we get into the movie, but something had happened and I'm like, did they explain this while I was in the bathroom? Because otherwise it made no sense to me at all. But having known the Von Eric backstory, because really, uh, I've told this story a thousand times and I'll probably tell it a thousand more. It was world-class championship wrestling that officially hooked me. Now, my dad and brother had uh, wrestling at the chase. You know, We grew up in St. Louis, so wrestling at the chase was on all the time. So I saw bits and pieces of wrestling at that time, but I was not a fan. But it was that Carrie Von Eric, Ric Flair, Steel Cage match that hooked me um, as a fan. And so I really obviously wanted to see this movie in theaters, not just for this podcast, but for that reasoning, because it's really what kind of brought me to the dance, so to speak. So having said all that, uh, I, you know, we were talking about casting. I think that the and I don't have the list pulled up in front of me. To me, the casting of Fritz von Erich for this film, and I don't, again, I don't have the list in front of me, but that guy was spot on. Like when he was in the ring wrestling at the very beginning mm-hmm. and then just his mannerisms, his voice. I watched some old clips of, of Fritz today before we started reporting. And I'm like, they really did a good job with the casting of Fritz, I thought.
0: Yeah, I was impressed. And real quick, I'll just say, you mentioned your history with World Class. Mm-hmm. I watched World Class growing up but I think it wasn't until like 1986 87 okay. uh, in that time frame that I discovered world class um I remember the dingo warrior is probably like the biggest okay. star at the time um and so yeah for me I know the von Erich history you know I've got the the DVD that uh, WWE put out a few years ago and I've watched that documentary so I know this basic story but yeah this was kind of going in fresh for me as okay. Okay. Learning it. So I'll be curious to hear, you know, the difference in, again, viewpoints, as we said, of the timelines and things that happened and and whatnot. But uh, to your point, yes, I thought Fritz, the actor that played Fritz, and I, I was going to pull it up. I know his name is, I'm not even going to attempt it because I would uh, get it wrong. I know it starts with an H, so we'll call him H for two seconds. Holt um, McCallany. Mac- sure. and i don't know him from anything else so this was uh you know a clean slate basically for him but i i yeah from what i know of fritz going into the movie he was fritz
1: yeah well and i i think that you know casting wise other than zach efron and the woman who played doris and i, I can't mm-hmm. remember her name off the top of my head she's one of those faces i've seen her in things i think she was in news radio back in the day and... oh yeah
0: more a tor- more yeah. A tyranny
1: yeah so i i was aware of her and knew who she was but um i really didn't know much about the rest of the cast so um I think Zach Efron obviously being the biggest name and Kevin was kind of the thread throughout the entire mm-hmm. story, obviously, because he is the surviving brother. Um, it, it made sense that they went with a bigger star, but I think when you go physique-wise, I think Zach Efron looked more like how Carrie Von Eric looked in, in mm-hmm. his prime than Kevin. But again, the casting was great um, in, in that, that regard in, in terms of kind of capturing the essence. I thought the guys that played David and Mike, especially really played it. play, you know, fit the bill. Well, um, and you said his name earlier and I can't remember it now, but Jeremy that, Allen white, Jeremy Allen white. I've seen him on do a lot of talk shows and he's really been the main voice I've seen. At least mm-hmm. I'm sure that Zach Efron has been on too, but every time I go on social media, I, I seem to see Jeremy Allen white. Um, I, I think that, he did a pretty good job playing Kerry Von Erick. you know, again, one of my all-time favorites. I think maybe a bigger presence, you know, physically might've been better in that role. But again, as fans, we can sit here and nitpick and and, and decide or, you know, question the decisions they made all day long. But I think probably one of the biggest criticisms um, was the lack of Chris Von Erick. like no mention of him at all. Um, you know, we've heard the stories that were, six sons five of them tragically died way way early in in their livelihood um, and we do get the story of jack in in the movie but chris isn't even mentioned or, or brought up and i know that that has been a sore spot for many fans as far as you know the diehard binary, binary fans but i understand it you know at two hours and 23 minutes i thought this was a long film um, even even covering 40 years, uh, a 40 year timeline of of life events and, and wrestling and trying to keep that story going. And so you know, I, I don't know why he was omitted, but he was and, and I think that uh, the Von Erich family gave their blessing to the film once it was was done. And, and Kevin was at the screenings and has talked about it, and the sons have talked about it. So I, I think if they're okay with it, The fans should be
0: okay with it too. Yeah, and that's one of the things where I, if I hadn't read anything and we weren't having this conversation, I wouldn't even have remembered Chris von Eric because, and again, I haven't looked up his timeline of where he would have fit into the story or what, but I think part of it is, uh, like you said, there's only so much time you have, but also given what the story is, would Chris's story have not mattered, but would have been too much. Right. Would it have just been because uh, my girlfriend and I were talking about this afterwards. Um, and I said, you know, if you wrote a fictional story and made it what, what Iron Claw is, yeah, nobody would believe it right. because it's just too much of, well, tragedy, let's yeah. say, you know, I think anybody listening to this probably knows the the basics of the Von Erich story, but um yeah, it was just, I think so if you would have added Chris, I think it would have just been like maybe too much, maybe taking the audience out and um, that. So and and I've read an interview with the director who said that he kind of combined Mike and Chris into one character.
1: Yeah, I, I saw that, too. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I, again, I, I think that they kind of they did a good job of, of capturing that essence of, mm. of that time period of that time frame, I, you know, uh, seeing the other wrestlers that they brought in, you know, the Freebirds and and mm. Bruiser Brody and Gino Hernandez. I thought those were all casted well. And I know there's been a, a some discussion on Twitter. I saw um, of the of the choice for Ric Flair, and it, you know, I, I didn't really think much about it at the time. And and I guess you you pointed out he said whoa instead of woo. I didn't even catch mm. that.
0: Yeah, he, you know, Ric Flair, he's the one, like, you mentioned Young Rock before, and we've talked about the casting on that. Uh, this, Ric Flair is such a personality in the yeah. world of wrestling, you know, and to cast a guy who couldn't even, in my opinion, do a good Ric Flair impersonation. Like, you know, I had a little Twitter conversation with one of her friends, and I'm like, I would have believed Jay Lethal as Ric Flair yeah. more than the guy that they got. Yeah. as Ric Flair and part of that I don't know if it's due to um, a likeness issue a copyright issue which is why I think he may have said whoa instead of woo mm-hmm. because I believe Flair has woo trademarked
1: he does yes
0: and so and and those are the types of things you know as fans that we don't know all the ins and outs and the legal wranglings. so I mean did it destroy the whole movie because of that one 60-second clip that Ric Flair's not No. It's just, as someone, though, who is a big Ric Flair fan, who has seen Flair, who, you know, has seen numerous impersonations, to see one that poorly done... Yeah. It's just kind of like, ah, oh, come on. But, yeah, I mean... I thought everything else. I mean, you know, I mean, Bruiser Brody. We can say again, he didn't look as tall as what Bruiser Brody looked like, you know. And and I don't really know Gino Hernandez that well. Um, and I didn't even catch who the actor was. I don't know if you noticed him, but it no. was um, uh, Dolph Ziggler's brother.
1: Oh, right,
0: uh, Ryan, Ryan Nemeth. Yeah,
1: I didn't know. No, I didn't know that. I, I liked the fact that they used one that they brought in Chavo Guerrero, who I believe also did a lot of the. Uh, training glow. For, for glow for glow yeah but I think he also worked on Young Rock as well yeah and helping train the actors to get in there mm. and, and do their thing. I noticed that there were a couple of clips: the Carrie Von Rick Ric Flair uh, world title match, and there was one other match, and I don't remember which one it was. The, oh, it was Summer Slam, it, yeah, where they used the actual mm-hmm. footage from it um, as you're watching it on the TV. Mm. I, I I did appreciate that that they did that, and I'm sure they had to do something with yeah. WWE to, to work out that deal. But, um, uh, you know, I, I thought that the action with the the actors in the ring mm. wrestling was believable. Um, you know, will we see them do a crossover? I know we saw the Von Erics, uh Marshall and, and Ross show up on, on AEW with Kevin mm. and, and do some stuff. I was kind of surprised WWE didn't get more involved with it, but I know that they didn't have their – Fingerprints on it, so mm-hmm. that's why they they opted not to. And Tony got yeah. on opportunity.
0: I wonder if it's because WWE didn't have any financial, whereas um, AEW has the connection with Maxwell Jacob Friedman, who mm-hmm. uh, is in a blink and you'll miss him scene in the movie, and he was also one of the executive producers for the film, so that may have helped. Mm-hmm. Also, AEW was in Texas at the time that the movie came out, so it was great. Um, and I wonder if WWE also, because of the subject matter and the, um, you know, the overall story, maybe they just didn't want to kind of bring up that aspect of wrestling. Mm-hmm. So I will say, um, talking about the Von Eriks being on AEW, uh, Kevin was with them. And, you know, after he came out, I'd, I'd message you and I'm like, oh, Kevin still got the promo skills I see. And I was being snarky because yeah. his promo was really bad. And then I had to laugh at myself when watching the movie, when <laughs> Kevin's lack of promo ability is actually a couple of scenes in the movie. And yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, Oh, did I, is that something that people associate with Kevin not being a good talker? But um, yeah, so I got a personal enjoyment out of that aspect.
1: Yeah, that was that was, I I did laugh when, <laughs> when, cause it's the scene with him and Bill Mercer, the announcer mm-hmm. and, you know, he keeps stopping and starting over and, and David's there. And I I do think, you know, I, my fandom, I, I saw David, uh, uh, you know, plenty of times, but not enough to like resonate or really remember what he was like. But I do think that he was kind of the, uh, he was the chosen one. He was going to be the NWA heavyweight champion. I think he was Mm -hmm. going to beat Ric Flair. Um, and then, of course, he tragically dies uh, just a few months before that show was set to happen. So uh, I do think he had kind of that it factor with the promos and the wrestling ability. Uh, and, you know, you, you mentioned MJF, and that's that's what I was going to ask you about. So that's when I was in the bathroom. When I came back, yeah. Lance Von Erich was in the ring with Kevin, but... They never said his name. And again, I walked in, so they never Mm -hmm. said his name or anything. Did they set that scene up in any way or was it just showing that match?
0: It was just showing that. I'm trying to think of what had happened previous because it was just showing Kevin kind of not really being into the wrestling at that moment. Yeah.
1: And it was after Carrie's accident.
0: Yeah. And so I think... um, yeah, but there's no mention of who he was teaming okay. with or what and it was just that one scene basically, that one match where he's on the outside of the road okay. looking bored and you know, um yeah.
1: Had- it's, funny though,
0: uh, it's funny though, because uh my girlfriend got up and went to the bathroom as well. And she walked out when the motorcycle accident happened. Oh, okay. And then come back until after he'd gotten out of bed and walked to the kitchen and you know, you see the aftermath, but uh, I was like, and I had filled her in on that part of the story before we went in, so oh, okay. it wasn't like she missed something big. But uh, yeah, like you said, they never really mention. You know, it's played up. It's it kind of shows what Carrie went through afterwards, but they don't talk about it.
1: Yeah. Well, had I not known that MJF was in the movie mm-hmm. playing Lance Von Erich, I would have. That scene to me would have been like confusing. Mm-hmm. I think. Because, and I'm
0: curious when the movie comes out on DVD um, or Blu-ray, if they add the deleted scenes. Yeah. Because apparently MGF did shoot scenes as Lance, but.
1: Oh, okay. We'll yeah, it might make more sense uh, in that regard. I, I think it's always difficult, though, for Hollywood to put together a, a film, a, a you know, a biopic or biopic, uh, because people are going to nitpick and, and say, well, this person didn't do that, or they didn't look like this, or they were taller, or they were shorter, or they were heavier, or whatever the case, like kind of, you know, we we did a little bit of that, but obviously through a less critical eye, I think, and just kind of making some some observational uh, comments on it, it. To me, none of it took away from the film. It did not take mm-hmm. away from my enjoyment of, of the movie um, and, and, and seeing it in, in that regard. Uh, Overall, what would you, what was your impression of, of that? Like the, do you typically go to the, or watch these types mm-hmm. of films? You know, did you watch, uh, the movie, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody and, and mm-hmm. Rocket Man and those types of films and, and how, how does this hold up to something like that?
0: Yeah, I do. And again, it's, you know, how much of the story, you know, going in versus mm-hmm. how much, I mean, I think for me, the biggest one recently has been the greatest showman, the, oh. um, Hugh Jackman movie about P.T. Barnum where it yeah. shows P.T. Barnum be this awesome guy who's, you know, all these things. And then you read the history and he's like, no, P.T. Barnum was a jerk who hated the freaks in his freak show and not, didn't associate with them and was horrible to his wife. And it's like, okay, so you just kind of whitewashed his whole story to yeah. pay, to make a good Zach Efron musical. I gotcha. <laughs> um, but this one, uh, the only thing I, I guess, and kind of take away from, and, and it's the conversation that I have with my girlfriend afterwards, because she has kind of read into the backstory and um, they downplayed a, a lot of the drug use. Um, mm. I mean, you see Carrie, you know, with the pills and and, and steroids a little bit, but like uh, Mike Von Eric, I guess had been uh, had gotten a DUI shortly before. Um, things happen. And, and none of that has really played out. Like her takeaway was that it was basically just these boys trying to please their father and the father being over demanding. And, you know, basically saying like, you know, my rankings are David, Kevin, Carrie, Mike, and yeah. anyone of those can change at any time, depending on what you do. And as long as you're the best, then I'll, I'll appreciate you. And, yeah. and I, I mean, I do think there was some of that again, given the time frame that it happened and given Um, what little I know about Fritz von Erich's personality. I can see that, but she was just upset, not upset, but just kind of like, okay, they kind of made them a little bit, I don't know what the correct phrasing would be, not nicer, but they didn't go all the way into the demon aspect, let's
1: say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and having known, obviously how the story is going to go you know did she know the tragedy that was you know like did she kind of know what she was getting into going in and seeing this
0: no no and so that's what i liked actually watching the movie next to her was whenever something happened she would like audibly gasp or just be like Mm -hmm. oh my god or you know all this stuff and and when she's joked afterwards she's like uh that is the most depressing film i've ever seen thank you for you know, depressing me. I cannot watch any wrestling anymore because it is. But uh, and I think that's the the sign of a good film and the film that drew her into the characters and made her care about them, so that when something does happen, you have that visceral feeling of, of sadness or mm-hmm. you know shock. Um,
1: yeah, I liked I liked how they. And, and again, we're not going to give any spoilers, but the, the, the sequel, you know, some of the sequencing mm-hmm. with toward the end where, uh, you know, we know what happens with Carrie and, and mm-hmm. you know, how they kind of handled that. Um, I, I, I did like that and, and kind of. Uh, you know. With Kevin's family, you know, him and he and me mm-hmm. get married and, and have kids and, you know, in the movie it's two sons and, and eventually they do have two sons, but I think he had, uh, so I know two one, more. Yeah. I know his one daughter was, his daughter is, is the oldest. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got two daughters and two sons. And I don't know where the other daughter falls into the, mm-hmm. to the family lineage, but, yeah. um, you know, and, I guess, and, Oh yeah, go ahead.
0: Okay. Uh, just gonna say, I guess that's the thing too, with like Carrie, knowing that, you know, Carrie has Lacey mm-hmm. as the daughter and that's never mentioned and like I don't know if he was ever married or what which isn't really addressed in the movie either but yeah I think again time frame story telling and I I don't know if they just focus on the two boys of Kevin's because they are the current yeah. generation wrestling Von Ericks um, Th- that was or, kind of- or if it was just yeah. showing the father and boy and son relationship which was a theme throughout the film.
1: Yeah. And and that's where I was going earlier with, with Carrie, you know, because he was married and, and had um, d- two daughters as well. Uh, Lacey being one of them that we, you know, his wrestling fans probably know, but uh, they kind of portrayed him as kind of a playboy and was with some random woman at mm-hmm. Christmas after he won the intercontinental title. Um, so, yeah, I, I, again, those little nitpick scenes that you could, mm-hmm. you could do, but again, it, it to me, it, it didn't take away from the overall presentation, the overall story of it. Um, I'm trying to think if there has been, and correct me if I'm wrong, this feels like it's the first time we've had a wrestling biopic uh, on the big screen. And I think there's probably been some smaller films, and I know this was an yeah. independent film, but you know, someone like Zac Efron, you know, lending his credibility mm-hmm. to it. And, and you know, I, I can't think of another instance where this has happened. Can you?
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think. I know, I mean, just a few months ago, we got Cassandra, I think that's the name of it, which is the biopic of the Lucha Libre star, which I think that just went straight to Amazon streaming, Okay, um, which is also supposed to be a really good film. I've tried watching it. I got about halfway through. And uh, again, it's. Maybe it's because it's a wrestler I'm not that familiar with, and a, a guy that I thought was wrestled like in the seventies and found out that he's currently wrestling. So I'm oh, wow. um, a bit off on my history of Cassandra, but um, yeah, I just didn't find that one as engaging. Um, but and I'm trying to think of other wrestling biopics, um, and the only one that I can come up with is Foxcatcher, which is about Olympic wrestling. Yeah. Uh, and I guess that's one of the points of the movie that I didn't realize, um, that Carrie was supposed to compete in the 1980 Olympics.
1: Yeah. And that, Jimmy I Carter think, screwed him out of that. Reading that. Yeah. And then, uh, they did use the the real footage of Jimmy Carter announcing that the United States would not be, uh, yeah. participating. And it, it really did make me think too, when, when they did that, when they replayed that, how, cause he was young, uh, at that time, you know, he was mm-hmm. barely 20 years old. And so I wonder, you know, had he gone and and won the gold, how that would have played out mm-hmm. as a wrestler, you know, because really, you know, we knew Ken Patera competed in the Olympics, the Iron Sheik competed in the Olympics, and they kind of played off of that. But then Kurt Angle, of course, mm-hmm. and, and Mark Henry getting more of that accolade, you know, would Kerry have been a bigger star had he had that Olympic... Uh, medal or mm. even that Olympic status behind him I don't know It'd be, it would be interesting to see how that would have played out had, had he been able to go and, and participate because I do think mm. uh, he either still holds or, or for a long time held the, the record at mm. his high school and I believe maybe at, at the university he was attending but uh, mm. I do know that he was a pretty good athlete beyond just what he did in the ring
0: Mm-hmm. yeah I you know, I wonder because I granted, after an Olympic appearance, I don't think there's really like a professional discus circuit that you can right go into um, but I wonder if that would have led to other opportunities and then maybe he doesn't go into wrestling yeah or he gets into wrestling later and that curtails some of the things that he went through that led to you know um, things in his life so.
1: Yeah, you know, we can, you know, dime store psychology. To me, it's also a reminder, though, that, um, you know, these larger than life heroes, and and I've, you know, mentioned it here earlier. Carrie Von Eric is one of my all time favorites, and knowing that he was, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't know that he was, you know, addicted to to painkillers or to. Mm-hmm alcohol or, or prescription drugs or whatever it was that he was, was addicted to. You just see that performer in the ring and then you learn more about their life. And as an adult, you know, you view things. I think you can view those types of situations in one of two ways. One where you are judging that person's choices and decisions. And the other one being a little empathetic and understanding that mental, you know, the, the mental workings of someone who Mm -hmm. is addicted or, or, uh, is bipolar or, or whatever the the mental illness may be and I think that unfortunately with with most of the sons they were caught in some sort of of mental illness along mm-hmm. with or the addiction and 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 the need to constantly please their father and then mm-hmm. they kind of Doris I don't and I don't know how she was in real life but she's kind of portrayed as a uh you know not maybe the most loving and caring and nurturing mom that mm-hmm. that you know, you might come to expect. Um, and so there were other elements going on there that kind of l- explain some of the choices maybe that they made. And I know that Kevin has said in, in interviews that I, I think it might have been on Dark Side of the Ring actually that, you know, him being involved with Pam so early on in his life, in his adulthood, maybe what saved him because he wasn't party animal he he was that dad and that husband and that family man whereas the other brothers were were doing kind of their own thing so um and that's a testament to pam and 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 their their relationship after being married more than 40 years well i'm not going to say any more than that but you know, knowing what we know about about the family and the dynamic is to me uh, a testament and and good on him and and uh you know uh, Ross and, and uh, Marshall for wrestling as well.
0: Yeah, there's just so much you know, that goes on in a person's life that you know it's it's the whole butterfly flapping its wings changes one aspect. You know, mm-hmm. and so if you change one thing, you know how how does that affect the whole outcome? And um, and yeah, I, I definitely think that the pressure to live up to Fritz's expectations. Um, where, you know, I think that would have a hard time on any, any one person, but then you factor in the pain from wrestling, you know, and how many, I mean, not even just the Von Eriks, but how many wrestlers have said like, you know, especially at the, in the eighties when they're doing 250, 300 shows a year,
1: Yeah,
0: it's going to take its toll. And it's a lot harder at that time than it is now because of conditioning and training and, and whatnot. So yeah, it's just, it's, again, I, I was going to ask, I wondered what why Kevin turned out the way, you know, his life went the way, but like you said, he was with Pam from an early age and if hopefully she was a good guiding focus or something to focus on other than the wrestling aspect.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know. I wonder as I, we were t- trying to think of other wrestling stories that have been told in, in this way, because obviously there are tons of documentaries out there. You know, we've seen mm-hmm. WWE does a great job producing those documentaries. And then we've seen other uh, independent filmmakers uh, doing the Iron Sheik one and, and the Jake the Snake Roberts story. Yeah. We've seen some of those, those stories as, as documentaries, but is there a story out there in, in wrestling that you think would be a good big screen you know where i i think that so far iron claw has has had moderate success i don't think it Mm. you know it wasn't at the top of the box office but i think that it it did from what i read it did okay uh, Mm. um the uh pundits Mm. and the critics were expecting uh, it to do uh, uh you know money wise can a can a wrestling story get some real hollywood backing and and get um beyond that uh, independent filmmaker stage,
0: do you think? Oh, I, I definitely think so. And I think, you know, in the world of wrestling, the Von Erich name obviously is high on the list. Yeah. But to the casual fan or a non-wrestling fan, do they know what Von Erich, you know, what the Von Erichs mm-hmm. are or who mm-hmm. they were? And and I think, you know, given that it's been almost 40 years since world-class shut down, that the Von Erich name doesn't have wide Recognition. It doesn't have a high Q rating, as we like to say. So the fact that this movie did do as well as it has done, and it's gotten, you know, the critical reception has been uh, terrific for the film. Uh, I know a lot of people were surprised when Zach Efron didn't get nominated for Golden Globe and uh, not going to hold out hopes if there's a Oscar nomination, because while I think Zach did a good job, I don't think it's a award-winning performance. Mm-hmm. But but that doesn't take away from the film either. Um, right. The film is good. I think, you know, obviously, let's say, you know, instead of doing Young Rock the TV show, they make the Dwayne Johnson story. Yeah, I think that would be huge. Or, you know, I think you know if they did a Hulk Hogan or a Ric Flair story, would they do well? And I, I think it, it, again, it comes down to the casting and the and the story itself and how well it's told because. Um, the wrestler the mickey work work film you know did well but that also showed wrestling any more serious like you know i i mean at up to the, now that was probably the best wrestling movie made and
1: yeah. because it
0: took because it took the subject serious
1: right and it wasn't
0: you know it wasn't a body slam or um no holds bar. you know where it's yeah. you know goofy it's it's yeah. like no let's show the the human aspect of the business. Um,
1: That's an excellent point.
0: So, yeah, I was going to ask you, who do you think if someone else is out there, you know, some other screenwriter, independent director, uh, wants to do a wrestling biopic, who would you like to see?
1: You know, I would like to see Andre the Giant's story told. And I, I feel like years and years ago, Billy Crystal had flirted with the idea of, being a part of it, you know, producer mm-hmm. or writer or director. Yeah. Well, I, don't I mean, know he, he
0: did a movie called My Giant, which I've never seen, but I think that's loosely based.
1: Okay. Okay. And maybe that's what it was. But, uh, you know, I, I always found Andre to be fascinating. And I think enough people, you know, even, you know, Gen Xers at our age, who maybe didn't necessarily know much about him in the ring wrestling, remember him from the Honeycomb commercial, or they remember him from, Princess Bride, so I think that 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 could do well in, in the more modern day era. I mean, I would love to see a Vincent <laughs> and story, which uh, there was
0: supposed to be, but at Netflix, yeah. but that just recently got canceled.
1: Did it get canceled? Okay. Oh. So um, and and supposedly at oh. at one point, uh, one of the Hemsworth brothers was going to play Hulk Hogan in kind of film. I don't know. What the situation is with that if that's
0: yeah i think that's been scrapped as well
1: scrapped yeah So i wonder will this you know obviously when things don't go well people are like use that as an excuse not to do something but this is you know the iron claw has had some moderate success again i've, I've seen it talked up on on entertainment tonight and those kinds of things if, if mm-hmm. that matters for anything <laughs> but um you know i i wonder if uh it gets a little, you know, because I was surprised when I heard that they were making the film, I was surprised to hear, one, that it was going to be a theatrical release, and during the holiday season, which is typically a time where they kind of release some of the the bigger films, I guess. I don't know if that's still a thing or not, but... Well,
0: they just released
1: Aquaman, yeah. too, so obviously. So I, I was I was happy to hear that and surprised to hear that, and, I, and I, like you said, it doesn't make wrestling, it doesn't make fun of wrestling. It doesn't make and, and even though this was a very touchy and, and maybe emotional subject for some fans, it didn't, um, you know, minimize, it didn't exploit it. It didn't exploit it and it didn't minimize the business mm-hmm. uh, or, or, you know, the whole, you know, like you said, no holds barred or body slam or, or those types mm-hmm. of films. So, yeah, um, I, you know, I, I hold out hope that others will. Uh, get this kind of treatment and, and maybe it inspires other filmmakers to that are wrestling fans to do something like that because i do think you have to be a fan of the business to at least have an unbiased maybe you do have a biased view in, in some regards but you, you'd be less likely to make it a a hokey or or exploitive uh, film i think yeah
0: true i mean uh i was joking with my girlfriend on the way after we left the mo- movie that uh you know, I would like to see a Ric Flair biopic, although I said that might need to be a miniseries and it would lead to about 2,700 more Me Too movements coming out, yeah. but...
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is
0: um, And that's the other thing is, you know, um, you mentioned the movie Rocket Man um, several minutes ago and I remember reading when that came out, like they had been trying to do an Eldon John biopic for many years and one of the things Elton John said was like, it it can't be PG-13. I did not leave a PG-13 life. I want yeah. it to be authentic. And so, you know, so in the case of Ric Flair, if you make an authentic film, eh, is that a good thing? In the case of Hulk Hogan, where do you separate the line between fact and fiction? Right. And, you know, is are they going to include the scene where he auditions for Metallica? I don't <laughs> know. But uh, yeah, so I think, it, and I think, you know, maybe taking a a lesser known or you know some person and i'm I'm drawing a blank on names at the moment who would make a good cause but someone who isn't you know hogan flair the rock steve austin you know who these guys who have awareness outside of the wrestling ring you might be able to do a better story um because you can make it make a more human story maybe
1: yeah let me ask you this because we've talked about this before i don't think necessarily on a show Maybe on a movie mania, but two hours and 20-ish minutes for The Iron Claw. Too long, long enough, uh, not long enough or or just right, do you think? Uh,
0: Well, I have a growing uh, annoyance with films these days that everything is two hours or more. And there definitely does not need to be that way. Yeah. Um, I think, especially being at the theater, because I, I think there was like 25 minutes of, comer- of trailers, yeah. none of which made me eager to rush back to the theater to see another movie. Yeah. Um, so that plays into it as well. You know, if I had been sitting at home watching a two hour and 15 minute movie, I I thought it felt fine for this film. I didn't yeah. feel like it really dragged. I wasn't checking my watch to be like, oh, how much time's left? Or, right. you know, I think that's a good sign. Um so i would say probably for this one yeah it did fit well you know because if you cut out time i mean i'm sure there are places where you could cut bits and parts out and shorten it but nothing that's really going to uh, again you could cut out the lance von eric scene entirely and save yourself a minute 30 but um yeah and and again and i don't think they needed to stretch the story out any longer than it, it did because again Given the subject matter, given the heaviness of the film, yeah, if you were there for three hours, I think that would have been a little too soul crushing.
1: Yeah, no, I I 100% agree with you. I, I'm I'm in the same camp. I'm 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 like in a 90 to a hundred, yeah, maybe 115 minute long movie. But but this worked. I I, I felt it was fine. It flowed. Um, and it didn't get, uh, it didn't get, there weren't scenes where I felt like it was dragging on too long. It, it, it kept a nice pace and a nice cadence, mm-hmm. uh, throughout the whole film. So, yeah. um, obviously I think we both, uh, found this to be favorable. I don't remember. It's been so long since we've done mm-hmm. it with Mania, what our rating system was. Uh, I
0: think it was like main event. Oh yeah. Mission curtain.
1: Yeah. So I, I'm I'm going main event on this. Um, obviously a Von Eric fan, so I am I'm partly biased in that. But uh, again, I thought because like I said, I've seen people who have been critical of the the casting choices before they've even gone to see the film. So uh, take yourself away from that, lower your expectations. Maybe if you <laughs> feel like you know you live and breathe and die by the the casting choices, and and go in there and just watch it objectively. And I think that you will be uh, entertained and you mean like Chad, you know, uh, and there were some elements of, of their lives that I didn't know about that, that I learned about as well. So you'll, you'll learn a thing or two as well going into this.
0: Yeah. And real quick, I'll just say, cause we hadn't really, we mentioned him, but not really talked about his performance. I thought Jeremy Allen white
1: mm-hmm.
0: was a good carry and yes, yeah. he's maybe a foot shorter than carry and I'll leave the missing foot joke uh, alone, but, but I didn't, you know, wasn't the height wasn't a element of the story that needed to be there. I thought his performance was good. And knowing him from The Bear and from Shameless, I mean, yes, I can tell it's Jeremy Allen White looking at him, you know, seeing the acting is very similar. But I thought he brought life to that character and made Carrie his own, which is the other aspect when you're making, you know, a biopic is do you want someone who's going to capture the person down to the t i mean we com- complain about rick flair in yeah. the film but did it have to be the rick or do you want someone who embodies the the body of the person and the soul and makes them you know the character because i wouldn't say that zach Efron looked like kevin von eric other sure. than the really bad wig he was wearing <laughs> but But the character itself is fine, and you know, I don't know, I couldn't pick David or Mike out of a lineup if you showed them. But I thought those actors played those characters really well as well. So, yeah, I think the acting all around. um, I would like to see this at least get a um, when the Screen Actors Guild comes around get a nomination for Best Ensemble Cast. Yeah, because I think everyone did, you know, again, other than Ric Flair. There's no bad acting in this film. It was really well done. Um, yeah, I, I would say, you know, this is a film that I would probably recommend going out and seeing it in the theater just for that experience or um, definitely when it comes on. Um, it's an A24 production. I think they just signed a deal with HBO. So it will be streaming on Max eventually, most likely. But um, yeah, I think, this this movie did shock me in how good it was and how well it told the story.
1: Couldn't have said it better myself. I I agree. I I think the six principal you know the von Erichs the six with Fritz and Doris and the four sons. They hit the the nail on the head with them again. I didn't know much about Doris, but uh, the four sons and and Fritz were were perfectly portrayed. I thought the woman who played Pam did a good job. And again, without knowing anything about her, just seeing pictures and whatnot. And I did go and creep and and look at uh, their, Mm -hmm. uh, the oldest daughter's Instagram page. (laughs) um, And she's got, you know, family pictures at the premiere and stuff. So I feel like the family's happy with it. Most of the fans seem to be happy with it other than a few Mm -hmm. casting choices or maybe some uh, lack in continuity or Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it. But uh, again, Definitely recommend seeing this and, and going and seeing it in the in the theaters because we as fans if we want more films like this we have to not just talk about them but we have to mm-hmm. go out there and support them and, and show that support with our dollars so uh, I, I'm all in, in favor of it and 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 maybe WWE Films mm-hmm. revives and comes back and, and does something as well I don't know maybe we get the uh, Baron Corbin story next.
0: Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Chad, anything whole,
1: else you want
0: to say? What that? Oh, I was just gonna say I can't wait for that whole hour-long stretch of happy Corbin and sad <laughs> Corbin. Uh, um no, I was just gonna say, uh, you know, this is a good way to start off the year. So hopefully 2024 will be a good one. And um yeah, that's all I got.
1: All right. Well, friends, happy new year. We hope that you have a, a great 2024 and stay tuned for more announcements on the My123Cents social media. Thanks for listening and or watching to this week's show. Have a great week, and we will talk again soon.
0: This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast
1: Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com.